Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, welcome to the show. This is where we talk about growing our life story business. Clients come to us because they want to create a book, a video, an audio, or some other creative project so they can share their memories and their life stories with family and with future generations. And today I'm happy to welcome Lisa Lombardi O'Reilly onto the show. Lisa is a personal, family, and property historian. She founded her company, Your Stories Written, in 2010, and for the past three years, she's shared her knowledge, enthusiasm, and encouragement for saving stories in a monthly newspaper column. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lisa, you and I have really had a hard time making this happen. And I think we spoke the first time a couple months ago. So I'm I'm very happy to have you here. And I can't even remember very much about what we talked about. So I'm going to be asking you all the same questions over again, which is always good since we're doing this for everybody else. Right. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you got into doing life story work? Oh, I I started um, in in 2000. I started doing genealogy, started researching my my family history. And I did that for a number of years um, on and off. And as time went on, I just became increasingly frustrated that I didn't you know, I didn't have their stories and I, there's only so much I could find. And at that time I had one grandparent left. This was in 2010 and my grandmother, and I, I asked her if she would mind if, um, she sat with me and I interviewed her and we got all her family's history and her memories. And we did that. And it, and I ended up publishing it into a book and it just ended up being such a rewarding process for me and for her that I decided to uh, try to do this for other people too, having no idea that there was a multitude of people already doing it. I, as many people Many personal historians think I, th- I thought I invented it. <laughs> right, that's um, a common refrain, isn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> so I, I just fr- from that I just hit the ground running, and I was only doing it part time. Then I had another business, and I would just had a, f- a few clients here and there. And about four years ago, started doing this more full time, and have just been loving it. It speaks to the heart. I, I love meeting so many different people, and like I said, it's just so fulfilling to finally find something that that is so heartwarming and gives something to somebody that they can have forever. Right. You know, I just read a quote. Um, I was at a bookstore yesterday, and I picked up this book, and I was leafing through it, and there was a quote. And I can't remember who said it, but it was something about how, um, you know, the best way to spend your life is doing something that is going to last beyond your lifetime. And, you know, there's nothing that more perfectly encapsulates what we do for people, right? Oh, it's so true. Just having something to leave behind. I mean, I just, you know, if I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, I would feel satisfied that I left something here 
not just for my own family, but for so many other families. Actually, you bring up one of my little subconscious nightmares, which is what if I did get hit by a bus tomorrow, who would take over the projects that I currently have going? And that's something that's not anything that I really want to focus on in this conversation, but it is something that we all do probably need to look at. If you have any any projects at all that are in progress, um, we're you know, who's, who's, what kind of succession plan do you have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like yeah, an executor yeah. for, for your work. So you said that you ha- had a different kind of company. What were you doing before you started doing the life story work? Oh, I was a part owner in a, um, in a service industry. We, re- we repaired and office equipment, printers, fax machines, that kind of thing. I was the bookkeeper and office manager and, did that for 22 years, founded it and went, stayed with it till the end. And, you know, it never really, it was something to do. And I was glad that it was my own business, but it never really was something that I was, had my heart in. But I am also guessing that you probably took a, f- uh, a good amount of um, business skills with you from that business oh, yeah. and transfer them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I- yeah. Right. I'm, I'm always a little bit jealous of the people who did have um, a career out in the in the business world. And then they came to to life story writing or, you know, creating life stories for people, um, because I think it does give you a, a foot up, especially because um, if you are a solo practitioner and which is how most of us are you know there's an awful lot that you have to learn on the business end of things um and i think coming with a uh, a store of knowledge on how to how to do that you know you were already running a business so it oh, sounds yeah. like you were right right yeah, absolutely especially the bookkeeping end you know that's just always something i've been able to do and just not having to hire out for that is is great And then you could focus really squarely on building your skills with writing and interviewing and everything else that goes into creating the projects. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know that you just released a book about your, is it your father, his life story? Yes. I finally finished my dad's book. He's no longer the bookless writer's father. <laughs> well, it took tell four us years. What... It took four years because I was working on it in between other jobs, and um, we finally, I finally got it out a few months ago, and uh, so such a relief to get it out, and it's just been received so well, and he's having a great time with it, and it's just been fantastic. Oh, congratulations on that. And what was that like working with your dad, sitting down and doing the interviews with him and, and then doing the edits with him? It was a it was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot. You know, of course, I knew a lot about my dad and interviewing a family member is different from somebody that you've never met before. Of course, I knew what avenues to go down and knew what kind of questions to ask. But um, he was a fantastic narrator. He has a great memory. His memory for detail was astounding to me. Uh, like I said, we would go months sometimes between interviews. And when we'd sit down for a next interview, I'd say, um, okay, dad, where do you want to, what, what would you like to talk about today? And he'd, you know, letting him 
talk about what was on his mind. And he said, well, last time we stopped off when I was talking about the boat. And <laughs> he would remember from that many months ago, you know, it just it made me laugh. I mean, it was it was funny, but it it was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot about him. I I got a different perspective on him, a perspective of of like what how other people view him outside of our family, people that he's worked with. Um, he's had a long career with um, the Los Angeles Police Department. He's been a reserve officer there for tw- uh, 50 years. And actually, he was recently um, given an award uh, honoring that, those 50 years. And it was, it's just all around been very heartwarming for me, for me to see how he's valued in that community and cherished in that community. And, you know, it, it kind of comes a little more full circle because we lost my mom a little less than two years ago. And Oh, I'm sorry. So this has just been a... I have a happy spot. It's been a real happy spot. And just having people contacting him and talking to him about everything. It's, it's been wonderful. Did, did the book come out before or after he received the award? Uh, the book came out right before. And as a matter of fact, the person who presented the award to my father at the awards banquet was the assistant chief of police. Oh. And she knew about she had seen it or she had gotten the book. She hadn't finished reading it yet. And I met her right before the banquet started. And she asked me if if I would mind if she mentioned me when she was talking. And I was like, uh, I no, I guess. I had no <laughs> idea what she was going to do. But in the while she was giving her introduction to my dad, she mentioned the book and gave it a plug and um, said it's available on Amazon. And so it was, it was funny. It was nice. Wonderful. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always the best. I mean, it's not like we're doing these to promote ourselves, but when that happens organically, um, you can't really ask for anything better than that. Right. That's so true. So true. Yeah. I had had so many good, uh, stories from, you know, working as a, as a street, officer, you know, walking the beat from back in the 60s and 70s and um, just things that are just very relevant, things that he learned and that he passes on to all the younger officers. It's just fantastic. Now, when you say that you got a new perspective in how the other, the people that he worked with, how they viewed him, did you actually go out and do interviews with other people? No, I didn't. I didn't on this. And I have envisioned doing something like that, like as an add-on, um, because there are so many people who came up to me and would tell me the the impact that he's had on their lives or their careers. And I would love to get something together like that for him so that he could see it. You know, it's the kind of thing that people always say after a person passes away, and I'd, I'd rather he saw that now kind of a thing. But it a great add-on to his book too. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I didn't get the chance to do my parents' I, uh, stories. They both died um, when they were in their seventies, and my mom after about seven years of dementia. So when she when the dementia first kicked in, um, and she was still you know almost 
you know, 95% healthy, I guess. Uh, but she just had beginning signs of it. I did sit down for a couple of very lengthy interviews with her. And isn't it, Lisa, you know this firsthand. I mean, it's just so interesting to view your parents from through a different lens. You know, you're you're when you're sitting there doing an interview with them, you're not really their child anymore. You know all kinds of stuff about them, but uh seeing them in such a completely different way, it just really breaks through that barrier of uh parent and child. Um because I think so often we're very myopic where where our parents are concerned. And I think that's just, you know, that impoverishes everybody's life. So when we can really grow into seeing them as a fully, you know, fully fledged person outside of their role as a parent, um, it just makes life interesting for everybody, I think, more oh, interesting. I, yeah, absolutely. And it, it you know, it, it enhances the relationship too. I'm going to jump to another subject here really quickly. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you said that your the book that you did for your dad is available on Amazon. Yes. Now, that the only time that I've used Amazon, well, I did a business book quite a while ago and, and you know, she wanted the the author of that uh, wanted to have a book that was uh, that she could just buy as she needed because she does a lot of public speaking engagements and then she sells the books. The other way that I've used it is as a sort of preliminary proof copy. Mm-hmm. So not intending to send to sell the books, uh, my clients' books on Amazon, but it's just dirt cheap to get a proof copy. It's cheaper to get a proof copy than it is to print it out on your own printer and hand them something. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. <laughs> but I, I know that since I've used them, they've changed. I don't think because when I use them, yeah. it was still CreateSpace. And I think in the past year or so that has changed. So is uh, is Amazon, I, do they call it Kindle Direct now? They call it, yeah, they call it, it's all under Kindle now. I guess Kindle used to only be Kindle and CreateSpace was the print books, whereas Kindle oh, was okay. um, e-books. And right. now it's just all done by Kindle. And there's a few, few quirks. There's a few things about it that change that I don't really like. Um, but mostly it's the same. Um, one of the things that changed is before you could publish your book on them and, and not make it live. You didn't have to make it live at all. You could just order as many author copies as you wanted. But now you actually have to make the book live before you can even buy an author copy. But um, that's and not when you really- say live, when you say live, you mean that it's available for anybody it's available, to purchase. Exactly. Right. Um, which, you know, s- most clients, they don't want their book on Amazon. They just have done this for their family and their friends. But the way to get around that is you you publish the book, you make it live, you order as many copies as you want, and then you can unpublish it. You don't have to keep it available on Amazon. So that so that still works that way. It's just another step you have to go through. But for, say, your father's book, it looks like you have it available. And that's probably pretty nice that any of his friends, maybe uh, some of the guys that he was on the police force with, they can just order that without even exactly. going through him. It, exactly. And, that, and that's the main reason we did it is because there were so many people with LAPD that we thought would be um, interested in it. And a, a lot of his other uh, uh, more distant friends, he, he knows a lot of people up in Sacramento and associates that he's worked with up there on legislating um, bills for LAPD. And 
So I, I, I kept it up there. And there, I actually published two versions of the book. There's a private version and the public version. And the private version is all color. And there's a lot more um, information at the end of the book, a lot more in the addendum, like uh, about our family history, uh, things that most people wouldn't necessarily be interested in. But uh, when I did the public version, that's just all black and white. And it's a little shorter book. But And I changed a few names in the public one, too. Oh, okay. I've only had one client who... Um it, we ended up not doing it, but we talked about having two versions, one for his family and one for uh, more business associates. Okay, something else, and this I, I mentioned in the intro, um, you do a monthly, I think it's a monthly column for a local publication called Coastal View. So uh, tell us first off where you're at, what kind of publication it is, and how this all came to be. Okay. Um, it, it is our, I live in a small town. There's 15,000 people here uh, in Carpinteria, right on the next to Santa Barbara, if anybody's familiar with Santa Barbara. Um, and it's a, I approached them. The, the reason I came up, decided to do this is I, in 2015, I went to one of the, the last conferences for the APH. Right, and so the Association I, of Personal Historians, yes. right, which is no longer in existence, right? I think that might have been the last one was in 2015. Maybe there's one more after that. Anyway, I think, I, yeah, I think 2016 because they okay. closed in 2017. There you go. Yes, and I was about to go to that one, and then we got the cancellation. Um, I was fortunate in taking a workshop by Annie Payne, that was about mastering your community and how to become recognized as the go-to expert in your community. And in that workshop, one of the things she mentioned was uh, writing a articles or column in your weekly paper, you know, just to get your name out there. So, like I said, I'm from a small town. I figured if I can't make it here, I can't make it anywhere. So I I ended up writing a letter to the editor of the local paper and explained that I was a personal and family historian and that I would like to write a monthly column about gathering and recording family stories and conducting family tree research. And I went on to mention uh, that as more boomers are retiring, that there's been an upswing of interest in nostalgia and family tree research and that readers might enjoy reading about some of the people I've worked with and with the obstacles I've overcome with my own family tree. And I sent a couple of um, sample articles, things that I had written on my Facebook page and sent them to him. And uh, about a week later, had a thumbs up. So it's been Wonderful. about three years now. And I think uh, next month will be three years. Good for you for doing that. So is your, you, you said that before you got into doing life story work, you were doing some genealogy. So is the focus really a combination of genealogy and life story work, or is it more heavily weighted on one or the other? I, I think it's a combination of both. I get into both, you know, it's sometimes it, you, I'm 
like my column is due on Thursday and I'm wondering, what am I going to write about this week? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, something always does come, but it's, um, I do a combination of, uh, I'll talk about some of my clients that I've worked with and some of their stories. Uh, like for instance, I have a client who has rebuilt his, the same house three times because he's lost it to fires twice And I wrote about him and his um, perseverance through all that. And um, so just to be clear, when you when you say you're writing about him, you're not taking an excerpt from the book that you've done for him. You are writing in your own voice about him. Yeah, that's good. And and I assume that you have to get permission from the clients to write about them. Yes, yes. And so far, nobody said no. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. They're always Pretty, pretty thrilled to, to appear. Like everybody likes being in print, right? Right. Yeah. No. And 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 so I've written about him and a couple of other uh, people I've I've worked with here in town. One one gentleman, his father was the last of the California Dons from when of the old um, Mexican land grant ranchos mm. here, and he has volumes of information written um, by his father and his grandfather, all this handwritten history. And so he's trying to, he's now turning that all into a book. And I've been working with him on that, which has been pretty exciting. He just has so much information to to get through. But um, so I, I, you know, writing about him or um, there's another fellow who I, he has a restaurant here in town and I knew that he got into the restaurant business because of his father and now he's getting his kids into it. So it was kind of like a um, legacy thing for this, the, the business. That's how I tackled that column. It was a Father's Day one, actually. Mm. On. Yeah, very good idea. Now, do you ever do any kind of columns where that are more how to. So if somebody's yeah, looking I, on well, a lot of educational um, things, I try to do like how to start a family tree um, or how to use newspapers to find more information about your, your relatives and your ancestors, uh, how to um, try to go on field trips uh, if, if you're able to walk in the footsteps of, of where your family or your ancestor has been and just to be on the ground and, wa- like I say, walking in their footsteps and, and what, what the feelings you get from that and the perspective you get on them from just doing something like that. Hmm, that's, yeah, that's about, a really big insight. Yeah, or I've written about obsolete professions, you know, things that, that you come across on census reports that you don't see anymore, like a knocker upper. (laughs) What is is that? Yes. And you, it's not what you would think. (laughs) (laughs) It's the knocker upper would come and tap with the stick on your window to wake you up in the morning. It's the the original alarm clock. You are kidding. No. I have never heard of that. Yes, the knocker-upper or the rag man. And the rag man was something that I first learned about from an, another client who used to, who told me that how the rag man would come through their neighborhood 
And the ragman was just somebody who's actually a recycler. He would come and collect old rags and clothes and paper and, you know, foil. And uh, just, he, he just uh, accumulated it all and did what he would with it. But they called him the ragman. But everybody was always afraid of the ragman because apparently parents used to always say, if you don't behave, I'm going to give you to the ragman. So well, I, and I know that there's some slurs, too, with the ragman, which I'm, I'm not going to say on the <laughs> podcast, but yeah. I know that that was, um, they were kind of considered, uh, they were a bit discriminated against, too. I, I think that probably wasn't considered a very uh, esteemed position to have in the community. No, I, I think it was kind of the, you know, on the lower end of the, of the economic uh, totem pole there. Right. And probably it was very often new immigrants that that were doing that, just sort of like the, you know, the fruit carts and and that kind of thing. But yeah, that's that is a great idea to to talk about obsolete careers or or jobs. I I love that. Um, So you've been doing this column for a few years now, um, and I've noticed that you have a byline and it says what you do in your profession. Has this brought in any work for you? It has. It has. Um, not a lot. I wouldn't say the, the, the phone's ringing off the hook from it, but it's enough that I've, you know, I, I get a nice cycle of people. I did a, one lady contacted me. She had actually written, well, she had a scrapbook is what she had of her life on, on a ranch that she grew up on with her grandparents. And she wanted to turn that into a book. And uh, so I ended up uh, pretty much scanning it and publishing that for her. And from that, she had also written all of her own memories of growing up on the ranch uh, her her dad was a talk about obsolete professions. He was a, uh, a tramp printer, I think they called it. He was a linotype uh, setter, oh. and which he was. It was a very transient occupation, I guess, because he they would do the typesetting for newspapers and and such. And I guess he traveled a lot. She and I think when she was in high school one year they moved 11 times one year so she had all but the ranch where her family her grandparents lived was the one place that they would always return to time and again so it was the only real home that she had so she had a lot of nice memories about it and she and she wrote that wrote them up herself and I published that for her also and then she had all these, um, what she called snicker tales, which were just all these little funny little tidbits about life, about her life and things that happened to her. And we published that. So we ended up doing three books for her. And and she found me by, she liked my columns in the paper. So that was nice. And it's sort of a dream to have a repeat client. I don't think our business... It doesn't happen all that often in our business. I know it's not completely unheard of, but, uh, you know, very often you have one person and you work with them for a year or more and then they have their life story and and then that's it. So so good for you that that segued into a couple of other books. Now, you said that the one of them was her scrapbook. Of it, it, it sounds like she talked a lot about her ranch. It, does any of this fall under the category of the property histories that you do? 
Um, not really. No, the property history. I started that last year. I was hired to do uh, do the history on two different ranches, and funnily enough, and uh, which was good about it, it's an area that I grew up in. It's and I was familiar with one of the very familiar with one of the ranches because my friends lived on it. Oh. But they they I, they needed. The history on these ranches going back into the 1800s, because what it was all what it was all about is water rights. They're trying to establish that these ranches had water rights, and they maintained these water rights throughout history from 1870 until today. And it was it's been quite a project. I'm still actually working on it. it that's it's been a long one. But very interesting, very different. Um, I've, I've learned a lot about the area I grew up in, uh, and I've got enough to uh, write a book myself about the area. And what will the the final book like look like for the client? Is that well, something that's more going to be uh, used for legal purposes, yes. or is it? Okay, yes, it's not a it's not a book for, for them. It's it's I'm working for lawyers on this one. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of hurry up and wait working yeah. with them. You know, they you take it takes forever to hear from them about something, and then it's we need this today. But it they've been great to work. I I did a book for a lawyer about both of his parents, and even though it was a traditional life story about his parents, it was hurry up and wait with him as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I you know. It's interesting, and, and and I know people do uh, property histories like on homes and and such. So I I feel like I have a, a real good handle on how to get information on on property now, and that I can easily do this for other people. So did you just have to set yourself up in the in the county courthouse and and oh, look through old records? Yeah, in in the dungeons of any dungeon in downtown Los Angeles, I've <laughs> been there. I you wouldn't think so, but I came across the most helpful people ever in with um, these some of these city clerks and city workers and looking for water right handwritten water right records that are just written on a scrap piece of paper and going from department to department and they, nobody knew what I was talking about. Oh, we don't have that here. And I say, yes, you do. It's in a box somewhere. I, Cause I read about it from a book in night from 1910. I had read some excerpt that uh, where the LA County water right records were. And I had no idea that it was still in the same place, but I was just kind of going by that. But finally got down into this basement and I told a guy what I was looking for. And he's just looking at me like I've got four heads. <laughs> and he said, just a minute, let me go look. And he disappears into these stacks of, of uh, shelving. And he came back two minutes later with the box. And on the box is written, Water rights, A to Z, 1900 through 1920. You've got to be kidding. That's exactly what I said. I just busted up laughing. I couldn't believe it. Now, that was was really good, but the bad part was is I needed records from 1800s, and it wasn't in that box. 
So when I, after I went through the box, I said, I'm looking for 1800s. And they said, well, no, we don't have that. The guy you might want to talk to isn't here. And I said, can I leave my name and number? And they said, sure. And I thought, okay, I'm never going to hear from them again. And uh, two weeks later, I told my client, I said, we're not going to find it. That's I haven't heard anything. And the very next day, I got a call from the city clerk and they said they had it. Oh, brilliant. They, they found him at a different storage facility. So I went down there and just started going through all these index books. You were dowsing for the water record, right? <laughs> yes. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, and so is that what got you interested in doing property histories or had yeah, you already done it, it some? Did. It, well, I was kind of interested before, but I hadn't done it. I hadn't done anything. So I now that I have, that I've done it, and I think this is a more difficult one than um, most will be. Of course, I shouldn't say something like that, but... <laughs> um, I, I I definitely will be doing property histories in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice little niche within our industry. Um, I've, I've heard of several other people who have done them. And, um, you know, there's, there's, it's a different type of story, but it's also something that you could potentially pitch as a, um, a project for maybe not even the homeowners, but maybe for, you know, somebody who's selling the real estate um, or if they're, if somebody's moving out and downsizing, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why somebody oh, sure. might want to have uh, a history of a house or a ranch or, um, you know, something that's within the community. So yeah, it, it, good for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, and one last question that I have for you, um, or one last topic that I wanted you to to just touch on. I noticed um, that you had, I think it was right after your your dad's book came out, uh, you were interviewed for a somebody else's blog. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I've been um, just trying to do some optimization on my website, which I feel ridiculous even using those words because <laughs> because I don't even know exactly what I'm doing. But I know that the website is a little bit of a mess um, on the back end. And um, I've just had some conversations recently with people who have made me realize that, you know, even though I don't really rely on my website to uh, sell my services, I, I want it to be as good as it can be. Sure. And I know that, you know, there's these things called backlinks. So it 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 helps you when people are searching for somebody who can help them write a life story. It helps you in the Google res- results if you have backlinks. And that just means that other websites are um, pointing to your site. So they're talking about you and they have a link to your website, which is exactly what you have now. Um, and I'm sure you probably have more than this, but the one that I saw was from this uh, Claritage Press, and the woman there interviewed you. Um, and I'm wondering how she found you. If um, and it sounds like she does some really interesting books too. It's a it's a it's a press that does uh, that releases historical books. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, I you know what? Now that you're asking me, I can't. I don't know if I ever found out how she found me. I think she <sighs> found me through my Facebook page because I have a a business Facebook page that I uh, post just about everything on all, all my uh, newspaper columns, you know, and, and anything else in between. And I think she found me there 
and contacted me uh, th- through, I believe she contacted me through Facebook. Oh, wow. And, okay. and told me that she had been reading my columns and she'd been interested in them. And she saw that how I, I did the book on my father and wanted to talk to me about what it was like doing something so personal. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I have noticed since then um, on my uh, webpage that I have gotten a lot of looks at my webpage through her site, through the Claritids Press. So it, it has, it, it's been great. Good. Right. Well, and what a perfect pairing. I mean, it, she has she has a, a publishing company that puts out these books that have historical interests. So the people that are going to be looking at them, you know, by definition are interested in, in local history. So yeah, that's, that's really good. So, and um, how nice for you that she just found you on, on her own. Um, so you, you weren't out there trying no, to find. Grace no, I, yeah. no yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I hate to say I'm a little bit lazy on that end of, of things. So I was very happy she found me. And on the other side, you know, after she interviewed me and, uh, published the the blog. I ended up writing my next newspaper column about that, about mm. how. So I mentioned her. I gave her a mention too, and her Claridge Press, and um, kind of cheated because I didn't write a brand new column. I just used what I had had written for her <laughs> blog. It's called repurposing. But, That's yeah. all good. <laughs> there you go. Repurposing. Yes. <laughs> um, but I figured it was all my words anyway, so it was okay. Right. Um, so, but yeah, so it was kind of a very symbiotic thing that we had, and um, she's just a, a real pleasure to work with. Lisa, I so appreciate you coming on to talk to us, um, and I think that, you know, your idea, I, I'm going to need to reach out to Annie Payne, too, because it sounds like she's got some really good ideas on on how to get you, your name out in the mm-hmm. in the local community. Um, so I, I'm glad that it's worked so well for you with, with writing for Coastal View. Um, and I'm, you know, I look forward to hearing about more that you're doing, especially Thank if you, you do some more of these property histories. Yeah, everything's new every day. Who knows what's next? Right. Very good. Well, if people want to reach out to you and see what you've done and um, see your website, where do they go? They can go to yourstorieswritten.com. And from there, they can. Uh, there's a link to my uh, newspaper columns and, you know, also my other information. My, okay. my Facebook page is also on there. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Amy.